For those who don't know me, I'm Rebecca, and um, today I'm going to read the Bible reading. Um, So we're reading from 1 Kings 17, beginning at verse 7, and you can find it on page 353 in the Blue Bibles. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse, and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, "'What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my, son, of my sin and kill my son?' "'Give me your son,' Elijah replied." He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I'd now like to invite up Bree, who's going to um, give the sermon today. Um, Please bow your heads with me. Um, Dear Lord, thank you so much that we have Bree here today um, to bring your word to us. I pray that you will um, open our hearts and minds and that we will be challenged by this sermon and that you'll really speak through Bree to us tonight. Amen. Hello. Can you hear me now? Is that okay? Yes. Great. Hi, everyone. It is such a privilege to look out upon so many familiar faces. Some of you that I knew in person years ago when I was here and some just online that I've seen over the past few years. Um, I 
I hope and pray that I don't start crying at some point tonight, um, but I can't guarantee, so I apologize in advance. Um, but I just, I wanted to start with, um, I didn't realize until I was standing here worshiping that I remember sitting just over here um, 10 nine years ago as a brand new resi, um, still freaking out a little bit that I had moved to the city. And um, I actually came to church because I had FOMO and my friends were all coming and I didn't want to miss out. So I came to church. Um, I didn't really know Jesus before then. Um, and I, I was sitting over there and my first thought was I was looking up at the window and I was wondering what, like, what the picture was of. Um, and in Christ alone started, um, the band started playing and um, something in that song captured my heart and I gave my life to Jesus not long after that. Um, so it's incredible to sit tonight and to be sharing with you um, a pretty um, young um, haphazard person who who uh, came to Res trying to figure out what to do with her life and um, Jesus sure found me. So thank you for the privilege to share with you tonight and I really look forward to to sharing some insights um, into this passage and also sharing a little bit of what you guys um, in your generosity and your prayers and your love and your encouragement of me um, are doing on the other side of the world by God's grace. So thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, with paper thin, trembling hands and a mind swimming with uncertainty, this poor, pitiful woman, weakened by her malnourished state and hopeless to the point of death, crosses the floor to offer the prophet the last portion that she has, the portion saved for her precious son, the light of her life. How in such a desperate state could a woman of no noble birthright, a Gentile who didn't know the living God before today and who had lived a life of deep sorrow possibly be the protagonist of this story of immense faith and trust in God? I believe it was all because of our gracious and good God and his care for his beloved children, and his desire for us to partner with him. Hi, <laughs> I'm Bree, and what a privilege it is to stand before you today, to worship, like I said, in the place where I first met Jesus, and to stand on the spot, literally, where I dedicated my life to Christ five years ago. I'm a little warmer tonight than I was back then. <laughs> Though I have not completed, I'll switch. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> um, though I have completed, oh no, I was so afraid by the like the mouth one, but now I'm thinking that would have been a better idea. Anyway, um, though I have completed no university degree, I have no theological training, and have made many mistakes in my walk with Jesus and my learning about mission. I have had the privilege and the blessing to spend the last four years in a northern part of Uganda called Arua. 
here we uh, work with children with disabilities with an organisation called Slunflower Ministries that we were able to start four years ago. It is here that I have met women and children whose situations mirror the plight of the widow of Zarephath. The children I meet and work alongside each have a deeply moving story of physical struggle due to their disability and a parent, often a single mother, struggling under the load of the financial implications of their child's sickness and the need of their wider family. Their stories have given me a newfound appreciation and insight into this Old Testament tale that may seem very far away and unrelated to many of us seated here, but has deep and profound insight into how we are called to live, to honour and to love our loving Father in mission and in ministry. Tonight, I'd like to challenge you to join with me as we reflect on three key points of our story. The first, that God is calling us to sacrifice for him. That God helps us and equips us in the sacrifice in his name. And that through this faithful giving and trust in him, we too can receive unexpected healing and immense blessing though maybe in unexpected ways. Did you know that God knows you? He knows what you have and what you can give to him. And guess what? He's asking for it all. Let's take a look back into the text this evening and notice in verse 13 what God requests of our widow. The prophet Elijah asks the widow to first make him some bread out of the oil and flour that she professes to have. Though small in quantity, this offering of the last of what she has is great in sacrifice. We know from the earlier text that at the moment the land is in a famine. And so not only can this woman not afford to buy any more, of the flour and oil that she has, but she may not be able to even find it. Like Jewish offerings of the time, the widow is asked for her very first fruits, her very last coin. She is asked to first give to God before she takes for herself and for her son. She is sacrificing the assurance that there will be more for her. She is sacrificing the guarantee that she will not suffer and offering and trusting God. She is giving in trust and in faith. Well, this one's a really hard one for me to realize that God is asking me and you not for what is comfortable to give, but for what is sacrificial to give. I'd really love to share a story about one of the wonderful women that I work with. Her name is Peace. Peace is one of our wonderful sunflower workers. 
We have been working and journeying alongside each other for two and a half years now. Her quiet confidence may be mistaken for timidity, but deep down there is a powerful woman of God with wonderful conviction. Peace studied community-based rehabilitation work, which is a degree that focuses on supporting those with disabilities and their families in a holistic way. Driven by her family's own experience and loss of her brother to a degenerative illness, Peace chose to study this degree at university, though the potential for her to get a job in our area was extremely limited. God brought peace to Sunflower after a few years of her not knowing what to do with her degree. And now she works part-time for us, visiting weekly each of our 25 Sunflower children and is currently this week helping our, some of our children to receive wheelchairs. Sort of sad I'm not there. <laughs> with the little that Peace receives from her salary and that money comes from all of you, she gives to her community. I found out recently that during the COVID lockdowns, Peace was buying food for some of the most vulnerable in our community. She pays school fees for her deceased uncle's children who otherwise wouldn't be able to go to school. And now and again, I find little gifts that our sunflower children have, and I suspect they're from her. And I assure you that though we're generous with our salaries for our workers, with all this generosity, there would be little left for peace herself. When I've asked her about her generosity before, she simply smiles with a gorgeous toothy smile that you'll probably see up here <laughs> and bashfully looks down and utters, it's okay, God will provide. God knows what peace has and peace knows that our father of all abundance, of every good and perfect gift that it's from above and it is there to be offered to all. God knows what I have. He knows what you have. God gave us what we have and what a privilege it is to have it. In the same way, what a privilege it is to give it in sacrifice to our Father the humble offerings of our lives and the fruit of our labor. It sometimes is hard to know or imagine what God could be asking us to give. For the widow, it was her last meal. For peace, it was her income. And for me, it is simply my service in cross-cultural mission. And boy, does that continue to be a challenge and a blessing. I do wonder what he's asking you to give. But what I am thankful for in this challenge is also the assurance that I am not called to give without the help and the strength of the Father. If we look more deeply at verse 9, we notice that God says something interesting to Elijah. 
he declares, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. When we meet the widow, however, in the next verses, it's not so clear that God's spoken to the widow. It doesn't seem that she has a heads up that she's supposed to give Elijah food. So what can we make of this? Though it's hard to know, and I don't want to give too much conjecture, I do believe that God did in fact speak to the widow, just not in the almighty and obvious voice that we assume. I doubt there was a burning bush. Have you ever had a small thought, something you couldn't quite explain Have you ever been led to do something or give more generously than you're inclined to? Could that have been God? I believe that God calls and subsequently equips us the way he promised Moses that he would when Moses brought his failings in speech to him in Exodus 4. God is faithful in his promise to give us speech and to teach us what to say. And now we have his wonderful Holy Spirit that can move us and guide us to help us to be obedient to God's call when service is hard and complicated. I have seen the Holy Spirit move in the life of my beloved sister Lillian. I remember holding Lillian as she grieved the loss of her precious child two years ago. Her mind riddled with questions and doubts, hopelessness and sadness. Though it is difficult to understand the reasons for her child's death, and I constantly ask the question why, I'm encouraged to see the woman that she has become as she sees and experiences God walking faithfully beside her daily. Just a few months ago, I stood beside a wonderfully confident woman, brimming with knowledge and passion as she presented to a room full of teachers about loving children with disabilities. She offered what she had her small, insignificant, trembling voice, and outpoured a wisdom and love beyond her capacity and straight from the heart of the Father. In that moment, Lillian experienced the wonderful working of the Holy Spirit, and so did everyone in the room. She experienced the wonderful helper that Jesus promised us in Acts 1, 8 before he ascended. Strengthened by his spirit was Lillian and empowered by the Lord's leading was the widow that they, though nervous and questioning, could offer their service and sacrifice to the Lord with faithful trust and open hands. This same gift Jesus promised to his disciples is offered to you through your belief in Christ. Peter calls us 
in Acts 2.38, to repent and to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are given this wonderfully powerful gift through the impossible sacrifice of Jesus in order that we might be empowered to give impossible sacrifices of our own. So in receiving this gift, we are given the faith to trust God, the wisdom to share him with others, and the strength to serve him with all that we have. God empowers us to give our humble offerings. You do not do it alone. When we are strengthened by God's spirit, to trust him with all that we have and all that we are, then it is through this offering and sacrifice that you and I receive incredible blessing and often remarkable healing from our loving Father. Any of us who have walked with God for even a short amount of time have possibly and most probably experienced a sudden push or conviction to do something that we really don't want to do. Sometimes we're not in the best headspace or physical place. Sometimes it's just not the right moment. But somehow we are called out of ourselves to be obedient to what God is asking of us. There are many biblical stories, including this one, that through the obedient service of one of his people, God was able to heal the hearts of his followers. Through Saul's obedience in ministry, he was able to reflect on the depths of God's love and discover the healing grace God had for him, though he was once a persecutor of his people. It is through her service in giving Elijah all that she had that the widow was able to experience the great provision of God in the lasting oil and flour and later the restoration of her son. It is in the beauty of our desperate need for him through the dependence that sacrifice causes that we get a taste of the true and mighty hand of our God and most perfect Father. It is through this woman's dependence on God that she is able to see him and rejoice with Elijah in verse 24, that she now knows that he is the man of God and that his word is true. I have seen with my own eyes the remarkable transformation sacrifice for and trust in God has on a single life. 
in my own life and in the lives of many around me sitting here and also those far away, especially in the life of my sister Doreen. I first met Doreen five years ago when I was visiting her sister who has another degenerative muscular disability. If you see a picture of a young girl holding a sunflower, that's our sweet Carol. Carol was one of our very first sunflowers and a large reason why we now do what we do. Doreen, Carol's sister, and Carol's uh, Doreen, Carol's sister, their father passed away the year before I met them. And only months later, Carol was experiencing problems with her arms and her legs that she would then find out she would be unable to move soon after that. We visited Carol, excited to speak with her and to hear her story. Myself, a young, foreign stranger, prying into the lives of this poor family. Doreen recently shared with me that she was deeply resentful of my pity and did not want or need our charity. Over the four years that have passed, Doreen and Carol have transformed. We have been able to share with them the concern that the Lord has for both of them and for their family as a whole. We have shown that we are not driven by pity or superiority. We are not led because we desire to convert them or to change them. We are there to offer relationships in times of need and hope in times of incredible darkness. Doreen is now one of our most passionate and trusted workers. Her now deep relationship with the Lord calls her out of her hopelessness and despair and into a life and a job that now calls her to be the one who visits our family and meets our parents for the first time. She is able to share her experience of initial intimidation and hesitancy to trust us and help support parents who find it hard to receive help when they desperately need it. Her life and her sister's life and her mother's life and her son's life and her community's lives have been deeply transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit who is working in them every day. And I so look forward to seeing what he will do with them in the future. Now, I hesitate to finish here. So many share the incredible stories and the incredible triumphs. And yet somehow I don't ever want to dishonor the immense struggles that our team and myself have experienced during our time that we have been doing ministry. Though our Lord is a God of great healing and incredible victory, not all circumstances can be tied up in a pretty bow or fully understood this side of heaven. 
Though we have seen many of our children and workers come to know Christ, we in the same breath hold the tension of the challenges that some of our children still face every day. We recognize that many in our wider community and even some mamas still see their child as a burden that they do not wish to carry. Some are still confused as to why God has given them this burden. They ask if he is upset with them or if he is intentionally trying to hurt them because they have a child who has extra challenges. Daily, we experience the oppression of a powerful and yet limited enemy in ways of sickness, oppression by authorities, limited funding, and sometimes just plain old exhaustion and doubt. And I'm sure you know that too. We are reminded that we live in an imperfect world but under the reign of a perfect father. And our father desires for all things to come together. And we believe that he who began a good work in us will carry it to completion. But this may not be in my lifetime or yours. We do not know the end of the widow's story, just as we do not know the end of ours or our neighbors. Though knowing God is a sweet reality, walking in faith with him daily is as tumultuous as some of our Melbourne storms, and and the schemes of the enemy can lap like foreboding waves at the hem of our sometimes weary souls. But his spirit in us reminds us to look not on our own understanding, but to trust the Lord in all our ways. We are called to submit to him and he will make our paths straight. Psalm 3, 5 to 6. Straight into our love, his loving and caring arms I go. Trusting God is difficult. Trust me, I know. Trusting God does not mean that we have it all figured out or that we feel that we are able to do it because if we did, then we wouldn't need God. Faith and trust in God is a willingness to obey and to sacrifice for him, guided by his spirit, even when we are not sure of the outcome or definite of tomorrow. It is restoring God to his rightful place as sovereign in our lives and offering him all that we have so that he in turn can show his glory in our lives and in the lives of those around us. It is bringing our humble offerings to the eternal throne of grace and mercy and trusting that he is good enough to hold us. 
if you have never done this before, if you have never opened your trembling hands out wide, stretching them to the sky and offering all that you have, offering your swirling mind, your hopeless heart, your passion that you can't seem to work out why you have it, your unrefined skills or your deep longings, I invite you tonight to offer these to God. And if tonight you feel, as I did 10 years ago, a stirring deep in your heart that you have never experienced before, or maybe it's been a really long time since you have, or maybe you've never heard the name of Jesus before, or never really understood how he could possibly care about your small, insignificant life, I can tell you that he does. For when our good and glorious Jesus died on the cross, pouring out his blood in an impossible situation, he died for you. So that you could come empty-handed to him, arms open wide with all that you have, which in my case is nothing, and so that he would fill your hands with glorious offerings to give back to him because of who he is. For our God, though sometimes us as Christians don't always show his love the best way that we can, I can tell you that our Jesus loves phenomenally more than I could or that any of us here ever could. He loves you and he wants your heart. Our God is inviting you into his throne room, into his kingdom, whether you question or doubt, whether you've searched and you've come back, whether you're still just not quite sure or you don't think that you have anything to offer, come into his throne room. I'd love to pray for us, to pray for all of us that we would stretch out our arms and our hands out and receive the offering that he has for us and in return, offer ourselves to him. Let us pray. Thank you, good and glorious and amazing Father, for your love and for your sacrifice. Thank you for your hope in desperation and your truth in times of misunderstandings and imperfect words. Forgive us, God, for we love imperfectly, but we know that you love perfectly. And so we pray in the words of Paul in Ephesians 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, 
he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your very inner being. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That we may grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the very measure of all fullness of God. Amen.